This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Open for Business this morning. In an era where digitalization is no longer an option but a necessity the food service sector is actively seeking innovative solutions to stay ahead and at the forefront of this is this digital wave is hubbo post they're an enterprise that evolved from their former identity uh, aliments to now championing a more data-centric digital workflow for local eateries spearheaded by its co-founder Li Teng hubbo Pulse is playing a critical role is in transforming the conventional point-of-sale system, POS of course, into an all-encompassing cloud-based platform that is engineered to scale up sales channels while streamlining, uh, streamlining operations. A notable collaboration with Grab, uh, a dominant player in the region, has further propelled Hubbo Posts into facilitating not just food orders and payments, but offering a more holistic operational oversight. The synergy between Hubbo and Grab's robust regional networks has yielded a platform where multiple order channels such as dine-in, online, takeaway and drive-through can all be managed seamlessly. Additionally, this partnership paves the way for merchants within the Grab ecosystem to leverage advanced operational features like inventory management, sales tracking, table management, all through the Hubbo Post interface. Having garnered success over five years, six years in the Malaysian market uh, with reputable merchants like Village Park, KGB Burger, uh, Pasta Panas, all under their belt, Hubbo Post is on a trajectory of growth. The recent venture into the Indonesian market is a testament to its robust POS integration and infrastructure, which is designed to meet the diverse needs of the food service industry across borders. And today I have uh, Li Teng, the co-founder of Hobo Post with me. Uh, Li Teng, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Richard. So six years into Hobo Post, mm-hmm. or, or rather uh, a while with Elements, and then over to Hobo Post. Let's start there first. Um Let's start with the rebranding, right? Why did you decide to change your name from Elements to Hubble Post? It's actually because uh, we, re- before even thinking about rebranding, uh, we do receive a lot of feedbacks from our existing merchants that uh, they, are, they are always asking uh, questions like, how do we pronounce your brand name? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How do we really pronounce it? Is it Elements, Elements, mm. or Alimon. Alimon, like the French kind yeah. of pronunciation, right? Okay. So with these kind of questions turning out um, almost from every merchants that we meet, uh, we reconsider for our regional expansion plan, especially when we're looking at Southeast Asia market. Ah. Uh, will it be hard for us to actually penetrate the market with right. this brand name? Right, right. That's why uh, this idea came out to rebrand uh, into a more catchy name. Right, I yeah. see. For people who may not have been aware of Elements or, or Hubbo Post now, of course, let's just rewind a little bit to the beginning of, of the business. Um, how did you start? What was the kind of spark that kind of got you interested in doing something like this? What gap did you see or, or what was the, the problem that you wanted to solve? It's more to the problem that we face every day mm. when we actually 
go to the office in the morning, we'll always go to the cafe downstairs yes. and grab a cup of coffee. Uh-huh. But we always stuck with the crowd, queuing crowd. And even after we queue up, make our payment, make our orders, uh, we still have to wait for our coffee. Yeah. So most of the time, it would take a lot of time there and we will be easily late <laughs> for work. Right. Because really we'll count minutes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When we're going to work, right? Uh-huh. So that actually made us think, is there any way for us to eliminate all this queuing and time in between and just grab the coffee when we reach the cafe? Right. So the first feature that we actually roll out is actually a pickup feature. Right. So pickup feature means that we can actually order before we reach the place and make payment after we order. Mm-mm. And when we reach there, we can just grab the coffee and just uh, go to our office. So g- literally grab and go. Yes. Mm-mm. And that is six years ago. Right. Yeah. Did that solve your lateness problem at the office? <laughs> um, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Something like this, when you, when you, you, it sounds like a simple idea, but... The back end of it and the organizational uh, software behind it, I, I'd imagine, is, is not cheap to, to come by or even develop. Um, and whether or not you're doing it as a kind of uh, white label purchase of, of the software or whatever, where did the funding funding come from for this? Were you guys bootstrapped? We are actually fortunate to have uh, co-founders that are engineers themselves. Great. So we actually bootstrapped uh, from the start for a few months. Mm. After we wrote our MVP, mm. we know that we need extra funding to actually scale it up to more merchants. Mm-mm. So by then, we actually look for angels instead of uh, VCs because we are still at the very initial stage where there's still not really a product market fit or a product that proves to be successful in the market yet. Right. So we look for angels and actually raise uh, 400,000 ringgit. And it lasts us for six years. <laughs> really? Yeah. How, how did you manage to make it last six years? So the, we, we run the whole startup very, very lean. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> very lean. Uh, we wear multiple hats for, uh, within a uh, few of our co-founders. Mm. And of course, we, we try to build a business model where we can generate revenue and profit before we really reach a certain scale. Right. So we run this thing as a SaaS software as a service yeah. model yeah. and I try collecting uh, subscription fees. I see. Yes. And uh, we also leverage our government grant as well. Right. So we do get a 500,000 grant from Cradle right. and that actually helped us survive through the pandemic. I see. Yes. I see. Okay, let's talk about that in a couple of minutes. I, I need to take a short break, uh, and when I, we come back, I, I want to talk about the the discussion about. I guess when the pandemic was around, uh, and I, I'm suspecting what you've just mentioned that would ha- would have had an impact on your business, but would also have had an impact on these restaurants, on these merchants who are using your service or want to use your service, right? Folks, I'm in the studio um, with uh, Li Tang. He's the co-founder of Hubbo Post. Um, we're talking about moving into uh, 
point of sale, of course, uh, for restaurants, uh, food vendors, and that kind of stuff. We'll be right back after these messages here on Open for Business on BFM 89.9. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Best for money. BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Open for Business, of course. I'm in the studio with Lee Teng. He's the co-founder of Hubbo Post. Uh, they've had a notable collaboration with Grab. They're a dominant, uh, of course, who are a dominant player in the region. Um, you just mentioned the pandemic before the break and how, uh, thanks to Cradle, uh, <laughs> partly, it helped get you through that period. Like, uh, Obviously, there were a lot of businesses during that period that... Um, probably didn't survive um what is it about that period and how you worked through that period that made you guys you know come out stronger do you think before the pandemic we actually only offer pickup and table qr ordering which we see a lot right now oh you're one of those we are one of those, yes. (laughs) (laughs) but we are we are one of the earliest one right yeah so after the pandemic hit us, we actually have a few mm, emergency meetings, mm. brainstorming meetings to actually think of ways for us to actually strive through this pandemic. Mm. So uh, when we are having meetings, we always start with what are the merchants facing now that they can't solve that we can help with. Okay. So um, customers can't go dine in. They seldom do pickup. Uh, delivery is surging. So at the moment of time, we are thinking whether we want to do delivery. Mm. But You because, actually thought about that? Yes, yes. But delivery is actually a very hard thing for us to do because we have to manage riders. Mm-hmm. We have to manage the uh, food completion time and all those details. It's almost an entirely different industry. You know, yes. you guys are not logi- a logistics company. Yes, yes. Right, okay. Yes. So actually that moment of time, we did start our own delivery. Oh, I see. Mm. And with the delivery, we managed to get revenue to cover our costs. Mm. But the delivery itself is a bit different than uh, all these uh, delivery platforms that we see right now, Mm. where we started this delivery to actually help our merchants. So we actually offer a very low uh, rate for them, uh, just for us to cover our costs and for them to actually do business during mm. the pandemic. Mm. So that actually managed to let us actually go through the pandemic, have enough uh, money in our account to run through the pandemic. Mm. So before ending the pandemic, people are starting to come out. And we are th- thinking at that moment of time, uh, even before the pandemic actually, we have inquiries from our merchants. Uh, you are doing this, but we need you to integrate to our POS system. Mm. At the moment of time, we don't have POS yet. Mm. So we talked to multiple POS players in the market and we got rejected by all of them. Well, why? Uh, some, of the, some of them, they mentioned, they mentioned that 
this QR ordering, this pickup is actually in our pipeline. They were already thinking about doing yes, it as well. Yes, yes. Okay. Right. And some of them say, uh, who are you? You are too small. <laughs> yeah. Right. So in the end, with some um, help from our merchants, they actually uh, provide us some amount of money for us to actually build the POS ourselves. Mm. And we started building our POS to come up with, as today, a one-stop, fully integrated solution for them. Yeah. And hard, we, hard work by the sounds of it. Yes, yes. Mm. Uh, how, Mm, hard work, you mean? Yeah, hard work, yeah. Mm. To get to that stage. Yes, a very, very hard. A very, very hard decision as well. Because mm. we know that POS is actually a, a, a very big hole where <laughs> uh, you can never fill it up because there's always new enhancement, uh, different requests from different merchants. So it's a very, very huge investment for us. Mm. Yeah. Are you offering like, turnkey solutions for, you, for your merchants then you know tailored solutions to these guys or are you giving them I, I, I guess like um, templates uh, so to speak at the beginning we actually offer turnkey solutions mm. because we are new yeah and we, you, want, you want to be that guy right yes yeah. and we need them to help us to fill up our features mm. so we need to know the request from merchants so we can actually build a product that suits the market the most. Mm, mm, mm. So at the beginning stage, we actually uh, built turnkeys for different merchants and uh, in and along the way, our product actually grows and have more features because of that. Right. But uh, now, we actually offer a template solution because we see it as it's complete enough to cater for 80% of the market today. Mm. Of course, we still re receive requests for product enhancement, different mm. feature requests. We do receive that and we will do analytics and decide whether or not to build in. Mm. But right now, it's more to we offer one set of solution that can cater for 80% of the market. Now, just a minute ago, you were talking about um, some of the other players in the market and how mm. they said no and who are you. And <laughs> we won't mention names, but you know, they're still around, some of them. Uh, some of them aren't still around. How do you think you are different to the ones that are out there right now? Why would me as a merchant choose you over somebody like Storehub, for example, or uh, OnePost, for example? What makes you guys stand out? What do you do different? Because we are the ones in the market and not on top of the market thinking of the solution. Uh, that's why we actually realized that an integrated solution for merchants is actually very important because for business owners, most of the business owners are small and medium restaurant right. owners. Yeah. They are busy with operations every day yeah. and they don't have the time to actually learn different products, platforms to manage them all. Mm. So we are actually the first to integrate to GrabFood to actually automate the receiving operations, the keying operations for our merchants. Uh, this is also the reason why we are ahead of other people at that moment of time. Mm. And in today's time, we are already integrated to all of the main delivery players and also other services providers, for example, accounting systems, uh, central kitchen management systems, HR systems, and all sorts. What is it about you guys then that gave you that advantage to be the first ones there? What, is it because you were smaller, nimbler, able to do other things that some of these other ones couldn't? 
that is one of the reason. Uh, another reason is we see our job as a listener to our merchants. It's literally every day yeah. to be with our merchants, uh, to observe their operations because certain times merchants won't be aware of the pain points that they have because mm. they are so used to it already. Mm-hmm. So we are there to observe. They become numb to it almost. They become numb yeah. most of the time, yes. Yeah. So we raise the pain points to them and find out how much it costs them if, let's say, we can solve this pain point. Mm how much it will save them time or money. And you're, you're showing them this via data, I'd imagine. Yes. Right. Yes. Because there are companies that, not so much now, but you know, smaller mom and pop kind of uh, services who really struggled with digitalization. And some of them didn't even want to do it. You know, how did you approach those companies uh, or when they came to you and said, look, you know, we need some help, can you help us out with that? What kind of discussions were happening around that kind of space? Yeah, back in the days, especially when we first launched our POS, mm. uh, the market is, most of the market, they are still using old type of POS, where mm. it's not cloud-based. Right. And there's still a lot of mom-and-pop store that are still using cash register. Yeah, yeah. So we actually went there and talked to them about their current pain points. Mm. For example, you have to go to your shop to check your record mm. to know the sales of certain days. Or if, let's say, you have multiple outlets, you have to manage everything through your phone. Mm. And you have to search back, for example, through your WhatsApp, uh, which date the sales of that and everything. If not, you have to record it into an Excel mm-hmm. and then you have to manage it there. So it's not... Nobody the, wants that. <laughs> nobody wants that. <laughs> That's why we can go there we, we raise the pain points, we show them our so- solution, which they can actually manage everything through our app mm. in their mobile phone, mm. anywhere, uh, as long as there's internet. Mm. And also, a lot of them, the main reason, especially mom and pops, is they are not, they are not so used to mobile phone. So it's even harder for them to actually use a touchscreen terminal for them to key in right. things. Yeah, yeah. That's why we, our aim is also to design the UI user interface to be as user-friendly as possible, as intuitive as possible. Mm. Because not only mom and pop store, a lot of other F&B outlets in Malaysia nowadays, they actually hire foreigners. And foreigners, they are not so well-versed in English, for example. Mm. So other than the words appearing in our user interface, we make it so intuitive that even they don't understand the word, they know what it's mm. for. Mm. Okay, so it's intuitive and everybody can use it, right? Great. We, we've mentioned it before, you know, that this partnership with Grab. Um, tell me a little bit about how that benefits the merchant. In today's world, there's no online and offline. Right. Yeah, so we are talking about Omni, which yeah. is the whole thing. Yeah. And Grab is actually specialized and doing very great in online stuff. Mm. And we are more to the offline stuff mm-hmm. for dining mm. and all sorts. So we can't avoid ourselves to actually move forward and joining hands together to actually bring the one experience, single experience, provide the best experience to our merchants. Mm. So uh, with Grab, we are actually able to leverage on their merchant size especially in the region in different markets. Mm. And to better integrate to their service with this partnership, 
to actually provide the best experience to our merchants. Mm. If not, right now, before the integration and partnership, the experience will be fragmented. Right. And similar as uh, the things that I mentioned earlier, uh, with fragmented experience, business owners that are busy with their operations, it's hard for them to manage everything. Right, right. And we actually would like to see business owners that have passion in doing the things that they love, especially providing good food to us. They mm. can scale mm. and survive and sustain through this period of time. Mm. That's why we strive to provide the best experience for them. We establish this strategic partnership with Grab to leverage on their platform uh, some tech resource to build and provide the upcoming futuristic Right. experience for merchants. And of course, it doesn't help that, uh, it doesn't harm or hurt rather that Grab are already in Indonesia and you can kind of, that would have been a, it's a very st a smart strategic move. Let's talk about that expansion into Indonesia then. Uh, would you say that Grab helped you do that? Do you think you'd have gotten there without Grab eventually at some point? Or, or were they kind of, you know, one of the deciding factors about you getting there? Uh, definitely, we we can go in without Grab, but with this partnership, and we are a startup, right? Yeah. Speed is everything. Of course. So Grab actually helped us with their existence, existing existence in the market in mm -hmm. Indonesia, mm -hmm. with their vast merchant base and their existing teams in, in Indonesia. Mm. So we leverage on the resources of theirs and pilot with their merchant first. So with the rela existing relationship with their merchants, we are able to get more feedbacks mm. to mm. tweak our product to localize and suit Indonesian market. How different is it to the f for you guys for the local Malaysian uh, to the local Malaysian market? What what were some of the I don't know may maybe cultural differences that you had to kind of overcome the the working model? Did you have to tweak it at all? The overall structure is actually similar, mm. especially for FMBs. Yeah. It's just ordering, right. uh, pre prepping the food, delivering the food. Yeah. That's it. But uh, some some of the key differences are, for example, the first thing that we actually need to change is the number of digits that appears in the receipt. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing. People spending millions <laughs> on their meals. Yes, yeah, yes. Right, right, yes. right. And uh -huh. the second thing that we see that caught us off guard actually is the number of transactions per merchant because of their huge uh, population yeah. the transaction volume is sky high right so that's a merchant in Indonesia that have three to four thousand transactions a day which is literally one order every five seconds wow so wow. Yeah. we have to tweak our backend to make it cater for such huge volumes uh -huh. to prevent it from crashing. Actually. Did they pre-warn you that this would happen? They did pre-warn us, but we actually don't believe them at the point <laughs> of time. <laughs> so how can that be possible? One order in every four to five seconds. Yeah. It's, wow. Okay. So with um, an issue like that, of course, uh, this is probably going to be my final question before I let you go. Uh, because people listening at home you know, learn things from this. You know, people who want to start their own business. You're finding out digits is something that clearly that is something that you guys dealt with. But the amount of transactions that's happening and you maybe weren't ready. Uh, you weren't at the scale maybe that you needed to be. 
what are some of the other kind of uh, missteps that you may have made, not just moving into Indonesia, but as from the beginning, from Aliments at the beginning? If somebody were listening to this now and they they wanted to create a you know a SaaS or, or they were even just their own business, what have you learned along that period that you would say is a piece of knowledge that you would give to them? Uh, the first thing is actually when we are talking about business, we are we need funding. Mm. So funding is a very key thing to keep our business alive. Mm. And a lot of time, even us, before we decide to focus on our business, we actually spend too much time looking for funding. And that time is actually very crucial for us to actually speed up and scale up our business to a certain height where we can have uh, self-sustainability. So the first advice is actually to not spend too much time to look for funding if you can spend that time to build your business better. Mm. yeah. Uh, second is to always look into self-sustainability before scalability. You'd need to have a... Which is different to what some other startups would say. They would say expand at all costs, right? Uh, that's, I think, before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we see a lot of large startups that uh, went through this model yeah. and failed yeah. because they don't have enough time to actually change their model when they run out of money. Mm. So nowadays, even VCs and investors, they're looking into profitability mm. other than scalability. Mm. So build product from ground out with that in mind. Mm. And of course, uh, you can't avoid scalability because that's why you are doing a startup. Right? Mm -hmm. You need to build a product that's scalable, but you need to have that revenue of income to sustain your business first. Mm. Yeah. Li Teng, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. That was the co-founder of Hubbo Post uh, here in the studio with me uh, today. If you missed any part of this uh, episode, please uh, listen back via our podcast. Of course, that will be available in our um, BFM app, which is available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. This has been Open for Business with me, Rich Bradbury, and of course, uh, co-founder of Hubbo Post, the Tang. You may have heard of them before. They used to be called Aliments. Uh, where can they find out more information about you guys? They can actually go to our website or to our social media page on Facebook or Instagram. Lovely. This has been Open for Business here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.